This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week we have Teddy Varis, also known as Heavy Holland Fool on TikTok. But before we jump in, Eric, what's been going on? All right, all right. So all things in the life of Brunt, you know, continue to be wild and unexpected week to week. Um, we had a few new people join the team and the space that we have for our office to work out of that we thought was going to get us through the, the rest of the year. We're actually pretty much outgrown it at this point if we had the whole team in here. So we got to start looking for some expansion space that's either in the building that we're in or close by so that we can function. So starting to starting to look around at a potential what the future and home of Brunt HQ will hold. And Jeremy has some special requests. He would like a couch in his office is is so that's top of the list of considerations. And then everything else after that is, you know, bathrooms, running water and basic functionality. But as long as Jeremy gets his couch, he'll be happy. Need that couch. Need the couch. <laughs> uh, but uh, what yeah, about so me and, oh, me and Jenny, uh, we had a few roosters that we needed to get rid of, and it was our first time ever doing it. So it was definitely an interesting experience for us. We had the cone that you flip the chicken upside down in, and then you, oh, you yeah. take care of business. But so I flipped him upside down in the cone, and his head wouldn't come out. And I'm like looking up there, and I can't see it. And I'm trying to get his head to come out. Finally was able to do it. And then there's a reason why I say chicken with its head cut off. Cause, uh, we for sure thought it was done and, uh, took it out of the cone, put it down, took off, just took <laughs> off running. <laughs> oh, it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. But, did he, dro- did he but, drop or did you ca- have to catch him? <laughs> no, we ran after it with a box, put it over it and just held it there. Oh, it stop moving. But yeah, no, it was, I mean, obviously it's, it's muscle memory and there's a lot more science behind it that I don't understand, but yeah, it's quite the experience seeing a headless chicken run around your property. All right. All right. Well, let's dig in. Today we're here with Teddy Varis. Teddy goes by the TikTok handle, heavy hall and fool. How are you, Teddy? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. Awesome. So you're a heavy hauling trucker, correct? What's different with you than any other trucker out there? What what do you do on a daily basis? Well, we have a lot more axles and a lot more weight. Everything we do is typically permitted or escorted and stuff like that. It's pretty much specialized transport. Just haul a lot of different equipment and stuff for the mines. And, you know, the majority of it's all oversized stuff, overweight, oversized, overheight. How'd you get into this? So everyone thinks that you got to be like born into it or like you got to be 40 years old, you know, and in the union for 10,000 years before you can do it. But uh, where I live in Elko, Nevada, you know, there's a huge shortage of CDL drivers. And when I got on with this company, I wasn't even with them for a year and a half before they just threw me into a heavy truck and told me to figure it out. No way, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I actually got a buddy going through the CDL train. It's it's crazy now because as a mechanic, I 
should have got my CDL, but I didn't. I ended up just, you know, I could move them around the parking lot and get it in and out and repair them. But when I was looking at like a class B at the time, it was super easy. You just knew your stuff. You go down there, you take the road test, you're done. Now they got like self-certification. They have, now you have to take class time, right? I think it's like 20 it's grand. It's entry level driver training uh, requirement now. So you actually have to go to an accredited school. Right, right. And get a certificate or you're not even allowed to get your CDL. You used to be able to just use your buddy's truck and go take the test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? You know, they don't allow kids over 21 or under 21 to cross state lines. They have yeah. a pilot program right now where they're allowing, they're choosing 3,000 people to do this pilot program where they're going to let 18 year olds cross state lines, but they have to have a driver that's like 25 years of older with them. But then they turn around and do something like this, where they require you to go to a school. It makes absolutely no sense. Like they're trying to make it easier to get more drivers, but then they turn around and make it harder. Trucking has always been overregulated. It's crazy. I mean, we're more regulated than a parolee. And I say that, I don't say that with any disrespect to anybody, but I mean, we have to pass drug tests. We can't drink all the time. We can't do this. We can't do that. We have to follow so many rules and one wrong mistake. You know, you could end up in prison. A lot of people don't realize this, that for better or for worse, we're not going to sit here and debate it, but a lot of people don't know this key fact. And the key fact is that when you get a CDL, you're Blood alcohol content to drive now goes from 0.08 to 0.04. Is that correct? Yep. yep. So it doesn't matter if you're driving your dad's car or not. You have to worry about whether or not that one beer you had at dinner will put you over the limit. Right. You know, and even if you get a ticket in a, a construction zone, a lot of times it's double fine for CDL drivers. Jeez. Just because you got the CDL. You're held to a higher standard. Oh, no way. Which, I mean, I, I get it. In, in theory, you know, you're a professional driver and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, no, it just it holds you to a whole nother set of standards. How'd you get your CDL? So, it very, it's actually quite an interesting story. So, back in 2008, I get kicked out of my house, you know, typical after high school stuff, not doing much. Yeah. And uh, my mom lived up here in Elko and I figured I'd come up here and skate by for a little bit, you know, and go back home. But I ended up staying up here. And the story goes, so I got a job at Ace Hardware. Then a family friend that lives up here suggested I, I apply for a summer aid position for Nevada Department of Transportation. So I did that. And I found out they're going to hire like two or three of the summer aides that year for full-time jobs. And I looked over the requirements and I asked, well, what is a CDL? And the family friend, Kirk, he told me what it was. So I decided to go down on my own. And I went down and got my CDL physical. And I went and took the written test and got my class A permit. So when I went in for the interview, I already had my permit in hand. So they give you six months to practice. And then they do the testing for the CDL. Yeah. I got my CDL in like 28 days after getting hired. Man, I think you just said it, but that was your class A, correct? Yes, class A and uh, endorsement air brakes. I didn't get none of the endorsements. Nice, yeah. Like I said, I was looking at getting an A, and there's just too much involved. A B would have done me fine for what I was doing, but 
then again, I didn't even really need that. They, they just show up. Well, and a lot. that's what sucks about that new entry level driver training stuff is now, you know, like if I was in that same position now, I would have to pay two to $5,000 out of my own pocket, go to a school to get my CDL before I could actually get hired on. Yeah, but that's like being a doctor. All the costs are up front, right? Then you're going to be rolling in the dough afterwards. I mean, I'm, I'm well. I mean, down okay. The road. <laughs> so put it in perspective. When I when I got hired on with them full time back in 2008, yeah. I was only getting like 14.75 an hour, and that you get paid per mile, right? No, no, no. For Nevada Department of Transportation, it was you know you're a government job. Okay, yeah. So oh, that okay. was like snow plows and road maintenance and yeah, yeah, you yeah. know dump trucks and stuff like that. Yeah, I've always been kind of local or you know, paid hourly. And like where I'm at now, they pay overtime after 40 and we get hourly wages. We get per diem. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's different than a lot of truckers out there though. So there's a federal law that states that you don't have to pay, uh, overtime to truck drivers for whatever reason. So there's companies that even in Nevada that pay straight time, but they pay a higher wage to make up for it because out here they have to compete with the gold mines and stuff like that. Cause I could quit my job right now and go work at the gold mines, driving a haul truck, making as much as I make now and not having to worry about half the responsibility. That's actually a good point. You bring it up. If anybody looks, there are a lot of jobs that are exempt and I fell into that category twice. And one is agriculture workers. And the other one was, it was called garage men. And so I was at a gas station and I never fought the guy because I was like, What's going to happen is if I say you owe me time and a half, anything over 40, he was just going to drop my hours to 40. So I might as well make the time that I was getting overtime, you know, just getting it straight time. But yeah, it's interesting. Like gas stations are exempt. Farms are exempt. I didn't know the truck drivers were exempt. That's interesting. Yeah. But uh, out here they have to compete. So, you know, if the company's not willing to pay, you know, nobody's going to work for them. The majority of people either get paid by the mile or they get a percentage of the load. When people ask me like about how I do it out here, how it goes out here, they, they can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, it's just normal for us. It's probably easy now, but it had to have been a daunting task. How did you work up to some of these larger trailers? I mean, I haven't even seen a trailer. So like the stuff that I, you're working I, with. I'm one of these people that like my whole life, like, I get really lucky and just fall into these really good situations. <laughs> yeah. And my whole life through school, like everything, I just get incredibly lucky. Like when I got hired on, they had one truck available. It was truck 15. It was a Canadian class, 99 feet. It was a four axle truck. It had the drop axle. It wasn't a heavy truck. Yeah. It was just designed to do like 130,000 pound loads. Like, you know, and I got that truck. So I started getting my feet wet by hauling like excavators and stuff like that. I would get sent on these jobs because I had the only other four axle truck. So they would send me to like Colorado or Wyoming or Montana with an excavator. And that's how I got into like the medium duty stuff. Yep. And from there I got put into a heavy truck, another four axle truck with a big trailer. And they sent me down to Arizona to pick up a big drill rig. And they were pretty much like, please figure it out and don't break nothing or get hurt. <laughs> it took me forever to get this job done, but I got it done. It took me like six hours to load because I couldn't figure out how to use the trailer. I spent like three hours trying to figure out how to chain this rig down. And then I 
realized I was almost 16 feet tall. And I was like, how am I supposed to get home? And they're like, oh, you get a permit. I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, you have to follow this permit. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> dude, I drove like 45 miles an hour from Kingman, Arizona, all the way back here to Nevada, dude. <laughs> like white knuckled. And then I get into Vegas and I take the wrong exit. I'm on Sahara with an oversized trailer. I have no clue what to do. I'm about to have a panic attack. So I just roll the windows up and I stop and I had to let all the air out of the trailer and drop the bags. And I squeezed underneath an underpass and back onto the freeway. I don't even know how. Wow. That's crazy. That was my first experience with like a true heavy haul load. Wow. That's wild. So they already did the pre-trip, like the pre-route set for you and you just didn't know it or I wasn't really like too familiar with like permits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like at that time, you know, cause I was like, well, how am I supposed to get back? And they'd give me a permit. I'm like, well, how, how do I know where to go? It's like, it says on there. I'm like, I'm not very good at reading maps, <laughs> you know, because like when I do the lighter stuff, all that stuff was taken care of. None of it was really tall. So you just, you set your GPS and go. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it's a little easier, I guess, with that. You know, to this day, like routing is still my Achilles heel. When I go to another state that I don't normally go to, I don't know their roads. You know, you get your permit and they call the roads, whatever name on the permit. Then you look on the Atlas and they're called something else, but then Google maps called it something different. Yeah. State roads are usually that way. It's, it's funny. The one out in front of my house is Pequocket trail, but yeah, it's like main 113. Every like state does it differently. Like the way they say it, the way they articulate the information to the driver Right. different in every single state. <laughs> so what's your wildest load? What's the craziest operation that you've been involved in? We haul a lot of like haul trucks and stuff like that, where they have highway patrol and they shut the road down for us and they get to make everybody pull over and let us go down the road. That stuff's pretty cool. I'm actually doing one of those tomorrow. I've seen these like turbine blades. I mean, I just, I see so much like cool stuff now that people are doing with trucking. I mean, what was it? I think it was you that posted about the radiation cores that sometimes they bring up from, uh, I guess there's a, yeah, I was, go, I was on my way down to Vegas in my pickup and I seen that load. It was like 3.5 million pounds or something like that. So my uncle actually worked out of, I forget what it's called, but I, it's buried in a mountain, right? That's where they put all the radiation cores, the spent rods. Oh, I know. Nevada. Yeah. That Yucca mountain or whatever. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yep. My uncle used to run security up there. And, uh, yeah, they bring all the spent cores over there and bury it in the mountain. Yeah. I always see those guys at the truck stop. They got like these little like trailers with those canisters with like a roll cage over them. Right. Right. And like, they park next to me, I'll, I'll straight up just leave. <laughs> like, I know it's safe, but I'm like, no, I'm no. good. I'm not, I'm not trying to grow a third arm here. <laughs> that and bee haulers, man. Like I, every time a bee hauler, I mean, I get it. They're just trying to do their job, but like, I hate getting out of my truck and get swarmed by bees. <laughs> we were just talking. So I don't know, two episodes ago we were with Santos and, and uh, he wants to get into that. So he's, he actually does all these beehives and it's all crazy and stuff, but yeah, the bee pollination is like where it's at driving around with a, a tractor trailer full of bees pollinating the United States. Well, they actually are time constricted because I think those bees, like they get so, they get anxiety or something from being in the boxes and their wings move and create heat or something. I can't remember. No, that sounds about right. And, and they have to keep moving because they can overheat or something like that. And, 
you know, I've heard from people that they've had to have a fire department come out and miss the boxes because it helps cool them, keep them cool. Oh, really? That's interesting. All sorts of weird. They're exempt just like uh, cow haulers. Wait, cow haulers are exempt? They are running paper logs, yes. Oh, so they can pretty much make up anything. When they leave with cows, they don't stop. If they got 1,200 miles, they drive that 1,200 miles. No, they're crazy. I, I, I've heard about them being crazy, but I didn't know that that was the reason. Yeah, it's time constrict. I mean, the government right now doesn't really know what to do. When it was paper logged, they could just make it happen and then make <laughs> it appear legal. It was just kind of accepted, you know, like, because here's the thing. If, if a cow hauler goes into a scale house, the guy holds them up and one of those cows dies while yep. being held up by the cops. Yep. The highway patrol is responsible for that. Yeah. So that's the same with us. We trailer livestock as well. I'm on a farm up here. And we're allowed to pass way stations as well with horses and whatnot. And actually, it's kind of interesting. I don't even think we're allowed to be pulled over, per se. No, they get pulled over. Brian Lee, uh, he used to be the cattle cartel guy, but now he's getting out of the cattle game. And uh, he's an interesting character. He did a video of getting blown in a scale house, and then he had another video of him pulled over. They freaking chased him down. You still have to go through, but I think they just let you through. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting to know as I'm blowing by them. <laughs> right. But I actually didn't know that. So, yeah, that is interesting because now they're going to electric, electronic logs. They can't make them. Why, why don't they just run two people instead of one? If you could find a cow hauler that's willing to run teams. Yeah. I, I don't think you'd ever find one. All right. They're, they're different. They're old school cow. They are not going to run team. <laughs> but I've always wondered the same thing. Like if the law ever came down to it, that would be the only logical solution. Right. Right. One sleep and one's driving. You would think that makes sense. And well, whatever it is, what it is it's like heavy point. haul. You're not allowed to team drive heavy haul. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've done it before, but you're not allowed to do it. Do you usually run with somebody anyway to help you load whatever you got? Do you have to load most of your, uh, whatever you're hauling or, or majority it... of the time? Yeah, I do load most of that stuff. You know, like triple sevens will go out there. I'll bring one of the yard guys with me and have him drive it so I can back him on the trailer and then I'll have him help. He'll help me ch chain it down and everything. Yeah. But like excavators and rollers and like backhoes and you name it, I can drive it. That's cool. That's a fun perk of the job. Yeah, one of, the, one of my favorites was that when uh, one of our customers, they had a Hitachi 600 excavator thing, weighed like 200, like almost 200,000 pounds. It was freaking crazy. I wonder how much one of those no. things goes for. No, they're expensive. Good thing was huge. <laughs> Do you own your own truck or you... you uh, I don't. I'm actually truck? a company man. I'm, I'm looking at buying a truck in the future, but we'll see. So what's the gig there? I don't want to blow your cover, but... If you're willing to share, like what, what's your, well, what's your dream? It's just, it's always like the next logical step. You know, some people become a company driver and they're okay with it, but you know, I, I could make more money hauling groceries, owning my own truck than I do now as a company driver, heavy hauling. Yeah. It's just whether you want to assume the responsibility for the truck. And I got enough connections out here. You know, there's so much work out here. If I got a truck, I would be put to work. Yeah. There, there's just no option to not work you know? No, it makes sense. And that's kind of the thing. Usually it's timing. It's, it's experience. It's, you know, your network of people and, and then the jump is that much easier, but would you run a fleet? Would you run your own? 
I would just run my own truck. I was thinking about just buying a four axle truck and doing power only where like, I don't even own a trailer. I go say, I work for my old company pulling their trailers or, you know, Scott's heavy haul in Las Vegas. I go pull one of his trailers or, you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, it it is funny because when we were, um, I guess down in the port in New Jersey, New York, they were saying that they just didn't have tractors and drivers. They had the loads. They just didn't have people to pull them, you know? So people are leaving the big mega carriers right now because they're tired of being a number and they're tired of being treated like crap. And they're tired of getting paid peanuts to do a job that they should be getting paid good at. Yeah. You know, and these people, what they do, they get their CDL through those big companies. And as soon as their time's up, they quit and go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes, it makes sense. I mean, unfortunately it kind of sucks for the mega company that puts the money behind it, but you know, pay the wages and treat the people better, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you, you should be making $60,000 a year minimum, you know, if you're driving truck, there's just no way around it. Well, I mean, liability wise, I mean, the what's crazy now, and, and this is what's always kind of scared me about this whole thing. And, and, and anytime I talk to, to any, uh, new truck driver, it's, you assume a lot of responsibility. I mean, we just had that accident where where the guy essentially panicked and he ended up, you know, unfortunately killing a a couple of people. And then what was that in Colorado? Yeah. And, um, he pretty much got like consecutive life sentences and granted, you know, some people stepped up and changed it, but I guess if they didn't, this guy's on the hook. Now I'm not saying that there wasn't negligence on his behalf. I'm not going to speak to that, but you know, there's more to the story. You know, dispatchers are, are pushing. Hey, here, here's, here's the reality of the situation. You were a mechanic. So, you know, dang well, nothing's perfect. <laughs> no, you know, every, perfect. you know, you, the bosses will say, don't leave the yard if the truck's not right. But at the same time, if, if I report something on the truck that puts it down, I don't work. Yeah. I don't work. So someone like me, that's like, okay, you know, I'd be okay not to work a day, whatever, but you get someone that just got hired on that's struggling to pay bills or whatever, yeah. you know, and they're like, man, I got a choice between telling them that, uh, this breaks out of adjustment or this breaks not working or just running it like this so I can get my paycheck. You know, what are they going to do? Seen it. I've seen you know, it a lot. Your bosses are, you know, you sit there and write stuff up for months and months and months. And, you know, and you tell them about it. Uh-huh. And then the second you don't want to drive the truck, it's a big ordeal. And it's just, it's the way it is. Like, it's just what people don't talk about in the industry. It's crazy too. I could pretty much take any truck out of service. There's any not truck. One, one truck on the road right now that doesn't have some sort of defect. hundred percent. And it could even just come down to a, a bulb being out, you know what I mean? It's, it's, but yeah, no, I, and I, and I think it's crazy that you guys assume a lot of responsibility and then to be getting paid, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what the equivalent is, but you guys weren't getting paid a lot when it comes to mileage. And then you guys don't even want to do the job because there's just too much responsibility. And then, uh, you know, you're away from home all the time. It's, it's just crazy. So yeah, I think it needs to turn around. I think that they need to start paying, but yeah, you know, they make money. There's money in it. Like, there is enough money to pay the drivers good, but, you know, these companies get greedy. And the other problem, too, is like, you know, you go get a load and you take it and you can't deliver it till this time. And then you go there and you sit there for three hours and you wait to unload. You don't get paid like 
the freight haulers that haul groceries and stuff like that. They don't get paid for all that time. No, that's and, what people and they, are getting sick of. And you're, yeah, you're at, exactly. You're at the mercy of somebody else. They have no problem picking up another load and going somewhere else. But if you know somebody else who's hourly or salary just dropped the ball and didn't give them a load, now they got to sit there and pay for it. I, I think the future is going to change trucking quite a bit because. You know, as time goes on, there's going to be less and less people willing to go over the road and they're going to, you know, as these self-driving trucks come into play, my theory is they're going to have these self-driving trucks doing the long haul. And then they're going to have all these local guys out there taking it to different cities off the main roads. Yeah. I was in a class not too long ago and they were talking about electric trucks and that they're going to be the way of the future. And I think it's all great on paper, but you know, the other side of things is like there's places in Mexico and areas in Canada that don't even have power. So I don't even know. So, so I got, I got something that's about to blow your mind on that whole thing on what you just I'm said. Ready to go. Ready to go. All right. So I'm, I'm on the board of directors with Edison Motors. We're developing a diesel electric semi. Okay. And uh, we have a prototype. We are dropping a Cat 3406 or 3408 gen set into yeah. a 1960s Kenworth. We're adding batteries and ultra capacitors, and we're putting some Tesla motors on it. Mm-hmm. And this generator is going to power the electric motors just like a diesel electric motive train. That sounds amazing. Because here's the thing. It's more efficient. You eliminate all the driveline bullshit. Mm-hmm. And you have less stuff to worry about. And not just that, but you can use this truck to power an entire city block if you had to. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're developing it for like logging and oil fields right now, but eventually you build it. We're actually developing a design and to actually build a truck from the ground up. Is that the guy up in Canada? Chase Barber. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I enjoy watching his stuff. He is. I'm, I'm, I'm the third or fourth person brought on board with that whole project. Oh, geez. Yeah. And actually I, I forwarded his, his thing to, some people in my class and they were dying laughing. He kind of was talking about how it's essentially the way Tesla's working and stuff. It's not, it's just not going to work, but he's pretty smart up there. He is. He is. And we got a lot. He's smart because he's not like trying to keep everything top secret. He's bringing everybody on board that has something to contribute because he wants this idea to work. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And me being behind the curtain, I I'm, I'm all for, you know, technology and I'm all for, you know, bringing emissions down or whatever you want to do it, but let's not kid a kidder. You got, so you, you have another uh, company called Hylon. They're developing this overly complicated truck. Like it's going to have automation. It's going to run on CNG, have electric drives and it's just overly complicated. But what we're doing is taking the technology that we have available right now and using it to the best of our situation and making it reliable. It's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, we're just hoping it works as well as it does on paper as in real life. <laughs> as with anything. As with anything. <laughs> we just we just lost two employees at our farm, and I'm bringing my parents on. So it sounds good on paper, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of naysayers on, you know, we do videos and stuff like that. And people get yeah. the comments like, Oh, why would you just get a let? They, they legitimately don't understand the issues. Like when and you're out in the bush in Canada, you can't just plug in. No, no. And no, the idea, see the whole idea was you use 
the battery power to help get you up the hill and diesel electric to, you know, provide extra power, get you up the hill. Then you recapture 80% of that energy going back down the hill. Is that like essentially the same as like a Prius? You'd have like a regenerative axle. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, that, that totally makes sense. But it's, it's going to be interesting, man. He, we, uh, the, how I got on board with that was I actually did a podcast with Chase Barber. He's got the blue collar interviews. And right before we're about to get off and started talking about electric Teslas and ended up doing a whole nother hour on the show. And that's how I got involved with that. Oh, no. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I've actually done a few podcasts recently and some of the best stuff has been off the, off the podcast. It's good stuff. This is great, but you still haven't told me what's what's the craziest load you've hauled. So I, I hauled a uh, uh, what was a Cat nine ninety two, one of the big ones, where they have to take like the cab off and all that stuff in order to ship it. Oh no way! Yeah, it was going down to Mojave, and I had pilot cars and everything, and I took a WA nine hundred Komatsu before that. That's Komatsu's giant wheel loader, and that thing was like eighty six tons. Mm-hmm. And it was heavy. I had no problem. I did it. I got to this one town and I was able to actually go around the building and pull into the fuel pumps and pull straight through with the load, you know, and, uh, two weeks later, we're doing it again with the cat and, uh, had these pilot cars and I asked them to go double check the fuel pumps, make sure there's no like suction or something that would block me from making the turn behind the building. And I was like, go double check the fuel pumps. So, what ends up happening is this guy goes and measures from the fuel pump to the fuel pump, not the concrete barrier to the concrete barrier mm-hmm. and tells me to come around. There's like 16 feet. Uh, no problem. Bay one. I was like, well, I came into Bay two next the last time. Are you sure? And he's like, well, I measured it. I measured it. And me just not thinking go to pull into Bay one, I get fuel. And then I look back and realize I'm not going to fit. So I have to get out now. Like I can't just back up. I have a nine axle, like a double tower. Oh, geez. To get into this fuel pump, you have to make like a 90 degree turn. So the trailer was still kind of turned. Like I, I tried to back. I, I, there was a hill behind me and the trailer kept going into the hill. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh crap. How am I going to get out of this? So we unpinned the, the arm on the trailer so that the guy can steer it. Yeah. And I couldn't see him and he steers it the wrong way. And I end up buckling the freaking tower. No. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, in a full, I'm about to go full blown panic mode right now. Like I, I'm like, like just straight up about to panic. Like I'm about to quit. I'm like, they're going to have to bring cranes and put the cab back on, transfer it to another trailer. I'm like, I'm going to get fired. Like th- this is yeah. bad. Yeah. So long story short, I find a way I got every single chain I had and I chained the tower and the mechanism all together to the frame of the trailer. I get it pulled out of there. And now the problem is the trailer's cocked to one side because the tower's bent. Yeah. So I had to chain this thing down in the middle of the night. By the time we got it chained down, I have, I still don't even have permits. And in the middle of the night, we're going, we had about 150, 160 miles to go. And this trailer is tracking across two lanes. Like I I am on the fog line and this trailer is out there into oncoming traffic. (laughs) 
And dude, I got to the freaking mine down there and they're like, can you bring the trailer up to the top? And I'm like, no, we're no. going to load it right here. And I'm getting the fuck out of here. Like how I didn't get pulled over, how we didn't get busted, how like the trailer didn't just fall apart and everything just go to shit. I somehow pulled that out of my rear end and like got it done. Then I had to undo all those chains, undo all the linkages. And I had to manually like straighten everything and chain it. And it was like pulling a 120 foot long low boy. <laughs> and i got that trailer as it was back to town here in elko from california and i had to again do it in the middle of the night so no one could see and they were able to cut the tower off re-weld the new one and luckily it only cost like 2500 bucks in damages and and they say when you mess up you just got to mess up in the right kind of way that is oh. the, that is honestly the craziest thing that's ever happened to me that that's wild. Not only is it crazy, it's not even like an accident or what. It was like there was success at the end of it, which is even crazier because it went from about to cost the company like eighty grand in damages with like having to reload and cranes and labor time to like only twenty five hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah, we have a, a highway up here on in Boston. It's called Storo Drive, and it has like really low bridges. And every year, somebody just. Cranes it. Truck. Uh, so we're friends with the one of the Boston tow companies. They got a couple of big rotators and stuff. When they get called to that, it's an insurance job, and it everybody from the shop goes out there, and it is just they make a killing on these jobs. It, what so they do? <laughs> so I couldn't imagine getting some people out to fix your issue. So we would have had to have. There would have been two or three Caterpillar spill techs out there that we would have had to got the load with the cab and all those parts diverted back to me. It, it would have been it, it would have been 80 grand easy, dude. By the time I oh, had yeah. another driver, another trailer, never yeah. had to put the cab back on, unload it, reload it, take the cab back off, get new permits, more pilot cars. Before we get off, I usually like to take this time like when you're not driving, what do, what do you like to do when you're downtime? Oh boy, hope you got another hour. No, um, <laughs> I have quads. I go riding. I I hang out in my garage and build crap and tinker with stuff and nice. fix stuff that doesn't need to be fixed and cause problems just to fix them. You know, it's just what I enjoy doing. Yeah, well, that's some oh, good yeah. stuff. I mean, just quality. I mean, I, we've we've done some before, and the guys are like. All I do is work, and all I like to do is work. So it's good to hear somebody enjoying their off time. I mean, I fly drones. I do RC cars. You know, I'm, I got so many things going. I'm modifying my vehicles. Like, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I know you run a, a big TikTok channel, but if anybody wants to know more about heavy trucking or wants to kind of see what you, a day in the life is for you, where can they find you, and what are you involved in? Pretty much TikTok. I do have the Instagram, which is the same name as my TikTok. Uh, I have a YouTube. I don't post much. It's also the same name. But pretty much all my social medias. And then I, uh, I have Facebook, too. I got, like, a lot of people add me to Facebook. And I, I, I can't even get through all the requests. <laughs> and that's heavy underscore Holland underscore N underscore fool, correct? Yes. There you go. Well, thanks for being on, Teddy. This was fun. I like when I could 
relate to our guests and and right, where right. they come from. So, thanks again. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me.